be seated. Um, I want to start our time a little bit with a little, uh, a little bit of audience participation, so uh, bear with me. These are a couple of uh, trivia questions. We're just going to see how well you do today. All right, first question. In what city was Jesus born? A, Nazareth, B, Jerusalem, C, Bethlehem, D, New York, or E, Babylon? Just hold on to that. Miss Bev, you'll push the button. You'll see if you got it right. Hey, cool, it worked. All right, Bethlehem is the answer to the first question. All right, number two. After Jesus was arrested, which apostle disowned him three times? Peter, A, B, John, C, James, D, Thomas, or E, Judas? All right, some of you know. All right, push the button. Uh, it was Peter. Excellent. All right, third question, probably the hardest one of the three. Who asked Pilate for Jesus' body after the crucifixion? Peter, Mary and the woman, the G Jewish leaders, Joseph of Arimathea, or the crowd from Palm Sunday? Joseph of Arimathea, I heard somebody say it. Hit the button there, Miss. Excellent. All right, so those are my three questions. I have a question. How many of you got three right? You can raise your hand. Excellent. How many of you got two right? How many of you got one right? How many of you are glad this is over because you feel stupid? Okay, excellent. Um, I'm a guy who really enjoys trivia. I like Bible trivia. I like other trivia. Uh, my family and others have said often it's surprising how much useless information that you can keep in your head. And that was funny. It's okay to laugh. Um, and we can make trivia be an important thing in our lives. And, and sometimes we think of that as kind of the most important thing. And, and sometimes we even treat this book like it's a book of facts to memorize. Or it's a, it's a group of things that we need to know. I call it what I would call the so what life. We kind of take the scriptures and use it as though it's some sort of book to know the trivia for. We're excited on Sunday morning when we come and, the, and they read one of the, the scripture lessons and the pastor's going to preach on it and we're like, yeah, I know what he's going to say because I, I know this one. And sometimes we, we think of this as this kind of so what life. Maybe, maybe it's like this. Um, you're one of those families that are like, we pray at dinner and, and lunch, sometimes even breakfast, and not just at home, like at work and stuff too. You know, we got this. We say the come Lord Jesus. We never mess it up and say our Father. You know, we, we do the come Lord Jesus all the time. Or, or maybe you've, you've memorized the entire Luther's catechism front to back. And, and maybe that's this moment of, of pride and excitement. Like, look, look what I've done. Or, or you, you, you always come to church dressed properly with a nice shirt or a nice tie or, or those kind of things. Or, or you, don't say, you don't say bad words in front of your children all the time. Um, and I think sometimes we as Christians, like, this is what we're aspiring to. And we either take it as a moment of pride, or we sometimes take it as a moment of guilt. Right? We, we look at it as though this is what the Christian life is all about. And if this is what the Christian life is all about, it's no wonder our world says, so what? So what? If this is, this is really all the Christian life is about, so what? Why do I want to be a part of that? Why do I want to be a part of that? Why do I want to feel, sit around and feel guilty for one more thing I don't do right? 
This is Reformation Sunday. It's a Sunday that we, we gather together and we talk a little bit about a guy named Martin Luther who 501 years ago went to the castle door, castle church at Wittenberg and nailed 95 theses to a door. Now the kids are thinking, I'm pretty sure he said 95 Reese's and all they're thinking about is candy. That's okay. 95 theses, those were, those were statements or comments about what Luther thought was going on in the church. Because he thought his church was focusing on the law. He thought his church was telling people, and they were, that you had to do something in order to receive God's mercy. Luther himself struggled with this. He struggled in his dormitory and in his moments of prayer because he wasn't sure he was doing enough. He wasn't sure he was living his life well enough for God to love him. He wasn't sure that he even had, and maybe this is something you struggle with, he had enough faith. Because he was thinking of faith as though it was some kind of work he had to do. And I think if we're honest, we've all maybe had that moment in our lives too. Do I have enough faith? And I think we've kind of lost sight of what faith really is. Or maybe we think, I wasn't born into the right family or all these moments. I had a, a student a number of years ago who came to be a part of our, our church. He was a, a stepson of a, another family member. And uh, he came, and I, we were just chatting a little bit, and I was asking about his faith life and kind of where he was at and that. And he said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm 50% Catholic, 50% Presbyterian. Kind of gave that look of, I'm not sure what that means. I said, well, what does that mean to you? He said, well, you know, my, my dad's a Catholic. I guess now we're going to be Lutheran, but he was a Catholic and my mom is Presbyterian, so I'm, I'm half and half. And I said, well, let's talk a little bit about that because it's not, it's not something you're, you're born with. It's something you, you gain in, in the gift of baptism. It's something that you take on as your own um, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, was dealing with this too. In our gospel lesson today, John chapter 8, uh, just to give you some context, at this point Jesus has done the, the, great, the, the great moment, you've probably heard the story, where uh, the woman is caught in adultery and they want to stone her. We're not going to get into that story too much, but basically what happens is Jesus calls the elders out and what he does in that moment is take their anger and vitriol and hatred and turns it from the, the woman caught in adultery and takes it on himself. He literally takes her place for them because now they want to kill him. Now they are going to, to want to end Jesus. So we get to, we come up later in, in Acts or in John 8 that says this To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? The Jews were struggling with this idea because, because they believed, look, I was born into the right family. I have followed the law. I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. 
We've been circumcised on the eighth day. We're eating kosher. We're living our life. We're trying to follow all these rules. What do you mean I'm a slave? And Jesus looks at them and says, you don't get it. I'm here to bring you freedom. I'm here to save you from that brokenness. Luther said it this way. I have a quote from Luther. So God doesn't love us because of our worth. We are of worth because God loves us. You see, the, the scripture is very clear. Jesus was telling them, you can't, these things that you're trying to make what my world is about is not about a whole bunch of things that you need to do in order for me to love you. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, if you've ever been in a church or you walk into a church and they try to tell you that you need to do this and this and this for God to love you, to be a real Christian, to be a real good person, then you have my permission to get up and run out screaming. Like really, get up, run out screaming. Because that's not the gospel. The gospel isn't that you do something else. The gospel isn't that you have to do a whole bunch of things. you got to pray a certain way or you got to be at church every Sunday and check off the box. The gospel isn't that you got to be in Bible study or that you have to pray every day at meals. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came and took your place. He had mercy on you. He has mercy on you today. He forgives you of all the things you've ever done or ever will do. And he loves you. He loves you so much that you can't do anything to push him away. You can't do anything that would make him not love you. That is the gift of the gospel. That's the freedom we have in Christ. That's the freedom we get to take from this place. And we get to live a life that I like to call the so that life. You see, we don't gather in worship to check the box and say, look, we made it and I got my four Sundays a month or my three Sundays a month and, okay, God's going to love me. We gather together so that we can hear of God's grace and mercy and love together so that we can go into our community and share his love and mercy with them who need it so much because they carry those burdens. We gather together at prayer, at mealtimes and other times so that we might experience God's grace in those moments. We might experience when miracles happen that we get to notice so that the world may know of Jesus who works in his lives of his people. We do, we, we, we come to worship to experience his love. We gather around his, his word, not so that we can win a Bible trivia. We gather around his word so that we might hear of his rich love for us so that we might experience his mercy in that moment. And we use our words to lift each other up so that the world may know 
of Jesus so that the world may know of his love and his mercy and his grace. As God's forgiven people, my prayer for you today is that you would live a life of so that, so that the world may know. May you experience his word. May you experience his love and mercy today on this Reformation, on this 501 years of somebody saying so long ago and even echoing Jesus' word, you've been set free. You've been set free so that you may experience his love. Let's end in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus. We give you thanks for his free gift of grace in our lives that we receive in faith, that gift that you've given us. And we be reminded that we don't have to carry those burdens anymore, that you have forgiven us, that you have loved us. And there's nothing in our lives that could ever make it so that you wouldn't. And may we as your people live like that so that our world may know of your love for them too. As your people, we give you thanks. Amen.